Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Informative and entertaining. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. We're spending the uh, show today talking about the horrific terrorist attack, ISIS claiming responsibility on Paris, and um, how the world's reacting, and how Paris and how France is reacting is what we're also trying to discern. I just spoke with uh, Colonel Peter Mansour, the former executive officer to General David Petraeus, uh, during the surge, and before that, Colonel Steve Day, the former commanding officer of Canada's Special Forces Unit, JTF-2. Eric Randolph joins me. He is a journalist for Agence France Presse, and he joins me from Paris, where it's 9.30 in the evening. Eric, thank you very much for taking the time. And what is the mood, what is the, what's the overriding, overwhelming emotion in Paris tonight? Um, thanks for having me, Roy. Well, I, I guess it's... Uh... It's pretty obvious. It's it's one of of shock, of horror, of uh, fear. Um, uh, unlike the attacks in January uh, that targeted Charlie Hebdo, um, we uh, we haven't had the same kind of people rushing into the street to show solidarity. Partly because the government has uh, told people not to do that. They've they've told people uh, to stay indoors. They've actually banned um, public demonstrations. Um, while they get a gauge of of, of exactly uh, what the situation is, and and so uh, I, I you know I think this is just it was a far more shocking attack. It was a scarier thing, um, and so that's uh, yeah that's the, that's the mood at the moment in Paris. What is the situation at the moment? Is there really significant, justifiable concern that uh, there could be another terrorist attack uh, in in France or? Perhaps elsewhere in Europe, in the very short term. No, I don't. That, there's no. There's no clear indication of that. Um, you know, obviously, you can't rule it out. Um, that that is another difference uh, from the from the Charlie Hebdo attacks is that they were still on the run at this stage. Uh, they weren't taken out until two days after the the initial attack. Uh, whereas this time, it seems pretty clear that all the attackers are dead. Obviously, you don't know that they they might not have been planning something something more, but at the moment, um, there's no there's no definite indication of that. What about the uh, and we've heard this talked about a great deal in the last 24 hours. The level of preparedness. We had uh, the president of France at the France Germany friendly soccer match, and uh, mm-hmm. then had to be evacuated from the stadium. We have yeah. uh, on starting on November 30th, the United Nations Climate Change Conference begins. Uh, what what sorts of questions demand answers as far as the level of preparedness is concerned? Uh, you know, I mean, you can debate this. Uh, I tend to be on the side of um, people that say that there's a limit to how much you can prepare for something like this in a country like France that has pretty open borders, um, which allow uh, quite easy weapons trafficking from Eastern Europe uh, and elsewhere the, where we've had floods of refugees, and one of the most tragic aspects of this story is that we've just had 
it appears that one of the uh, attackers had registered as a refugee in Greece, which is just going to be the death now for people who, who, who want to help refugees. There's already enough pushback against that as it is. Um, uh, and, you know, these are, these are tech attacks. These guys, uh, you know, had suicide vests and, and a gun. Um, this is not an extremely complicated 9-11 style attack. Uh, and you know they know the tricks. You know if they know how to, they know how to avoid detection. They, they they're professionals. Um, and uh, so to that extent, how much can you ever really be fully prepared? And mm-hmm. Paris has been on high alert for months since Charlie Hebdo. There are soldiers outside my uh, child's uh, play school uh, every day. Um, and any kind of sensitive sites, um, but there's a you know you can't protect everything all of the time. The they're called ultra nationalist parties, political parties in uh, in in France. You have the National Front um, in in Denmark. There's their equivalency. There are others in other parts of uh, of Europe. Given uh, what has happened, given the fact, as you point out, that one individual uh, is known to have had a Syrian passport and known to have entered Greece or suspected to have entered Greece as a refugee claimant, is this going to prove to be fertile ground for the ultra-nationalist parties? Will they just generate uh, more support for themselves? Maybe not just in the short term. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The Front National has been on the rise for a few years, um, mostly by playing along on the immigration card. Uh, and we had regional elections due in the coming weeks, actually, in which their leader, Marine Le Pen, was expected to win uh, unprecedented uh, regional uh, seat in the north of France in one of the areas that has the most problems with immigration, where people are trying to get through to Britain. And uh, so there's the question. She's already been on, you know, uh, blowing her trumpet about how she would shut down the borders and so on. Uh, And she knows she doesn't have to do much. This will play very much into their hands. Um, uh, They already account for it. They already can count on about a quarter of the vote. In the long term, it's unlikely that she would ever become the president. Um, The system here kind of works against that. Um, but uh, but certainly at a local level, um, it's gonna, they're going to they're going to get a boost from this. What are the questions you want answers to, Eric? Uh, obviously, there's a lot of intelligence um, questions that, that need answering. Um, France has been on extremely high alert uh, and managed to miss this. Um, but we, there's always those questions, and you, you never really get a straight answer. And I think it's partly unfair, to, as I was saying before, um, to expect uh, them to, 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 ca- to catch everything, every plot that's, that's planned. Um, uh, I, think, I think the big question for me is, should France be reconsidering its policies uh, in striking Islamic states in Syria and Iraq? This is highly debatable. Uh, and it's, it would definitely not be right to say that uh, this attack was a direct result of France being part of the U.S. coalition airstrikes uh, against the Islamic State. But at the same time, it's never, really, it's never been very clear why France is taking part in, in those strikes. It hasn't made a very compelling strategic argument for its involvement in those strikes. Uh, and if this is the sort of blowback that it can expect from intervening abroad, uh, then there are people in the country who will have legitimate questions 
um, about about whether that's whether that's a good policy. I, I'm not taking a view on that, but I think that will be a serious question in the coming weeks. And President Hollande has promised that he would uh, wage merciless war against ISIS. And I just mm-hmm. spoke with the um, with the former executive officer for De- General David Petraeus mm-hmm. in Iraq during the surge, and and he's suggesting that uh, France should call uh, on Article Five of uh, the NATO Charter to be put in place. And one is attacked, and they're all attacked, and they all have to go to France's assistance. So sure, lots yeah. of lots of sticks in the fire. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the problem with that is that Article 5 was designed in an era when we fought other countries rather than diffuse terrorist organizations that can strike anywhere and mobilize assets that um, may be your own citizens. Um, France has got hundreds of people that have left uh, Syria and Iraq to join the jihadists uh, and hundreds that would like to have gone and haven't been able to or haven't chosen to. Uh, who may feel that uh, they can carry out actions without leaving their own country. Um, uh, personally, I'm wary of the idea that uh, increasing the, the, the scale of conflict is the best way to deal with this. Um, I think uh, the, some of the, un, you know, I'm sure your previous guest knows better than me, but a key part of the surge was the use of special forces on the ground um, I think part of the problem is that France has made a big show of airstrikes and symbolic gestures like that, uh, rather than really looking for um, uh, any concrete solutions to the problems in Syria and Iraq. I'm not saying they're easy, um, but uh, just sort of escalating the symbolism and the, and the war rhetoric, um, I'm not sure is going to be uh, is, is gonna prevent any attacks in the short or medium term. Yeah. Eric, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate you joining us from Paris tonight. Thank you. Okay, thanks a lot. Eric Randolph, journalist for Agence France Press, AFP. Uh, They are an excellent news organization. Uh, I've got them on their app on my my phone. When we come back, Scott Newark is going to be with us, former Crown Attorney in Alberta. Scott has worn many hats and very successfully. And uh, among those hats, security advisor post-9-11 to the federal government of Canada and the government of Ontario.